Your move, creep. Wish me luck, Freezer. You go, Ben Coco. Dino DNA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. That's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good-looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like, uh... Your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde, the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. Today, we are going back going back to our um, special listener suggestions and our like tournament kind of episode. We decided on um the good the bad the weird from 2008 after doing our whole like discussion you know trying to be as clinical as we could about this yeah we 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 the plan wasn't to make two films it was only to pick one right and yet from our discussions uh from our from two episodes ago we just decided you know what fuck it this is our podcast like we make the rules (laughs) So whatever, let's just do both of them. There was a genuine curiosity for both of these films, um, and look, and they were very—they're drastically different films. One of them yeah. is a documentary, and the other one is a homage to westerns that looks bonkers. Very yeah. different did types you, of films. Did you see that the the actual Grace Lee filmmaker liked our tweet promoting the? The podcast? I did. And for a second, when I woke up and I saw it, I, was, I couldn't help but wonder. I was like, okay, is it the filmmaker or is it just someone who's, who's named Grace Lee? I love that her Twitter handle is another Grace Lee. Yeah. Fantastic. But no, that that is really that's really cool, man. I'm, I'm very happy with that previous episode. Yeah, uh, me too. The only thing is, man... So we said Grace Lee a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we said Grace Lee. <laughs> but we always we always distinguish which one we were talking about though. We and I think that's what makes it uh like watchable, you know, like or you know, listen listenable. Listenable, yeah. yeah. Because if we were like, man, this Grace Lee's badass because and it's like, wait, okay, which one are, which one are you talking about? <laughs> but not yeah. this week. This week I don't think anyone's named Grace Lee. Uh probably not. Probably not. And we are doing the good, the bad, the weird. The good, the bad, the weird. Yeah. yeah. From 2008, directed by Kim Ji Woon is the director of this movie. It's funny because I was looking at his uh, filmography and there's another film that I saw from him. And now I know how I know about him. I, Which... I, I'm familiar with his work and I'm a little disappointed as to where he went right after that. You saw I Saw the Devil? Yes. And I'm assuming you didn't like that movie. No, no, no. I, I love that movie. I Saw the oh, Devil okay. is insane. That's some... That's a I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's so good. I mean, but, it is. It's it's good. Like, it's a good movie. It's so evil. Oh. Oh, it like... You feel like ants are crawling underneath your skin. It reminds me a lot of Old Boy. I love Old Boy. Yeah. yeah. It's just as twisted and, you know... Nothing as explosive as that twist in the movie, but mm-hmm. but very much uh, ultra violent, very dark and moody. Uh, excellent, okay. excellent film. I ha- I have seen a tale of two sisters, 
And that's like one of my favorite horror movies of all time. You said that you wanted to watch that movie for the podcast. I did. Yeah. Interesting how we both have backgrounds with this director, but mm-hmm. because he's I not haven't... a he's not a big time, uh, he, he's not a big time. We I've never known him to be kind of. I don't hold him to like the. I don't know him as well as like say a David Fincher or Chris Nolan, right? Oh, I think he's like a really popular filmmaker in South Korea. The Good, the Bad, the Weird is one of the highest. I think it's it was the highest, second highest grossing movie in South Korea in 2008 when it came out. But uh, I don't think Kim Ji Woon has that international like he crossed over, made a movie in the States like um, Park Chan-wook, I think. Mm-hmm. Park, I think Park Chan-wook. Well, he made the movie with Nicole Kidman. Yeah, um, and and also uh, the guy who won the Oscar for Parasite, Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho, he made yeah. the one with Chris Evans. Yeah, he made Train Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer, which has like a series on TNT now. And he also did that one for Netflix, Okja. Okja, yeah. So so he's done like English speaking f- films. So I think people are more familiar with those directors. But I don't think Kim Ji Boon has done a movie. An English language movie, yeah. No, no, he did make an English film. Oh, really? He, he made an American film. Oh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that's funny. We were just talking about that guy. He made a film with Arnold Schwarzenegger called The Last Stand back in 2013. And it was not good. So it's a shame. Because I would have liked to have seen uh, Kim knock it wow. out of the park. Then he could have, you know, gone even further with that. I didn't know that he did this movie. I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I'm like, oh, Arnold's doing movies again? So it's it's interesting, because we'll be able to compare his American action film compared to his South Korean action film. Kind of interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I bet you it's going to be very different. I Very different. Maybe we could find do some research and see like what it was like for him to make a movie in the States yeah. after doing this movie. I, I look, man, I think uh, and I felt this way a long time, but I feel American films are way too sanitized. Actually, let me rephrase that. I think a lot of Hollywood main like big studio films are way too sanitized. I think they're too clean. They're too sheen. I think they lack too sheen. I, I think they're, too, they're 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 Gucci. All right. And sometimes you don't want that. You don't need that. Sometimes you want some stank on it. Right. And. For a for a few years, I was like really going into like South Korean films, specific specifically a lot of South Korean. But like I went down like an Asian uh, kind of. I was watching more Asian films, right, by Asian mm-hmm. filmmakers, and then I just kind of latched onto South Korean filmmakers because their shit is insane. Yeah, I think that the South Korean film industry takes a lot of pride in itself. Yes, because I remember learning about uh, South South Korean cinema in. You see Irvine, and they were talking about how they put a limit on how many uh, like Americans movies show up on Korean South Korean screens, mm-hmm. so that their own uh, cinema, like their own directors, their own filmmakers, their own production companies, don't get just swallowed up by like the big Disney, Fox, or I guess they're the same now, <laughs> Disney <laughs> Warner Brothers movies. Hey, good for them! I, seriously. I, I love what they're doing. I saw the devil. There is, as far as I know, there is no real equivalent, American equivalent, at least in the studio system, right? Maybe an independent, mm-hmm. there's another movie that I haven't just seen yet. But 
South Koreans got balls, man. They don't give a fuck. If you've seen Old Boy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You watch <laughs> that movie and you feel disgusted right afterwards. And that's the whole point. I saw The Devil. Jesus, that movie left me depressed because of how violent yeah. it is. And I loved it, right? I'm sorry. I'm just going to go on a little, like, like a little rant, okay? okay. Because fucking the U.S. is just so... And I love... Look, and I love studio budget studio big budget films i love marvel like everyone but jesus can i get something different right and some of these dudes just have no idea how to come up with an original concept because they were re they were going to remake the raid right another asian mm -hmm. film they're going to do a tv series off of the off a of parasite on hbo right mm -hmm. there was a remake of old boy with josh brolin yeah. and elizabeth olsen spike lee spike lee and I'm just like, why are this you guy's got had his movies remade too? Huh? Uh, the Tale of Two Sisters was remade, and but it was called something different. It was called like The Uninvited, <sighs> but it was the same story. I look. I understand the point of remakes. I I get it. But why is it that like something is slightly successful in Hollywood? Like, oh, we need to remake this immediately. Did you you saw the Oscars right? Or no, you I, didn't. I didn't see them. One I didn't of, watch any of the movies, so I, I don't know. Well, I I was the same round. I only saw like two or three. But uh, another round, which is a film from some European country. I don't know. It's got Mad Milkison in it. It won Best Foreign Film. The day after, they're like, oh, America's going to make a remake of this movie. I'm like, really? Like, can't we just read the subtitles? <laughs> <laughs> like for real no for reals man i don't need a remake of parasite to be able to appreciate jo uh, bong joon ho's parasite you know what i mean i but i think that they there's some people who don't take movies like that seriously like they'll they'll see it and like oh it's a foreign film i'm not gonna spend money on that but then you do it again in the states with actors you recognize you're more likely to see that movie it's all about the bottom line and it makes a profit. And hey, I even I understand that. That line of thinking is makes sense. It's rooted to just like the, these childish behaviors. It's not childish. It's purely financial. Like it's it's greed. No, no, no. I think it's childish when someone's like, I can't watch this movie because it's in a different language. If it was in oh, a yeah, different language yeah. and they didn't have subtitles. Okay. Hey, I'll give you that. Like if you won't be able to understand it, you won't be able to comprehend it. Okay, cool. But everything has subtitles nowadays. The reason I say it's childish is because when I was a kid, if I if there was anything that was singing that wasn't Disney animated, or if it was in black and white, full of adults, or if it was foreign but it, it was in a different language other than Spanish, I thought it was I thought it was like, eh, I don't want that. It's weird. Eh, yeah. Get it away from me. <laughs> oh, it's black and white. Get that shit away from me. Shit's boring. Obviously, the older you get, you kind of grow out of that. But I just don't think some people are still at the point of giving some of these films chances. You're absolutely right. And, that and but, you know, them remaking these movies makes enables them to do that. I guess. I don't know. But I'm really excited to finally watch this film. I've never seen this movie. Uh, I have heard people talk about it. Um, do you have any background with this movie, with this film? Yes, I've seen it before. You've seen it? <laughs> yes. Wait, I'm sure you've said No, nah, I keep forgetting I've said, it. I've said it. I've said I've seen this movie. I love this movie. I saw A Tale of Two Sisters and was like, this is amazing. 
And then I looked at the guy's IMDb and I saw The Good, The Bad, The Weird. And I recognize it as a Western title, you know, like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And like, I like Westerns. And then I watched the trailer and the trailer just seemed like action-packed and the music is really fun. And when I watched it, I was... I was pretty blown away, I think. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. I have to tell everybody about this movie. And, and you're not sure when this happened. It was just... Oh, it happened when I was in college. Oh, because okay. I saw A Tale of Two Sisters... Um, like, 2008 was when this movie came out, right? Yes. Yeah, 2008. And that was around the time where I started moving to, um, to Irvine to study at UCI. I watched a lot of movies that summer and i think this was one of a tale of two sisters was one of them and then i found out about the good the bad and the weird and i waited to see that one i didn't see it in the theaters though i think i just missed it but i like i found it and i watched it then do you think it's gonna hold up because you said you enjoyed the film do you think it's still gonna hold up do i think i'm still gonna enjoy it yeah yes yeah definitely definitely let's talk about 2008 as a Ooh, as a year in that, cinema, dude, two thousand eight was dope as fuck. Yes, we've actually talked about this year, but we have to really be a little more fair to the good, the bad, the weird because it is a South Korean movie mm-hmm. for, meant for a South Korean audience. Yep. So I pulled up the box office information of South Korea in two thousand eight. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna go over the top ten movies in South Korea in two thousand eight. Number one is a movie called Scandal Makers with a box office of $41 million. Number two is The Good, The Bad, The Weird at $36 million. These are very different numbers from the the U.S. box office, right? Very different. Very different. (laughs) Um, The Chaser was number three, 35. Number four is called The Forever, Forever the Moment. Number five, Public Enemy 3. Have you heard of any of these movies, George? No, literally have not. <laughs> I've heard of The Chaser, but only I've, I've seen the poster before. I don't think I've ever, I don't have like the name poster recognition. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've, I've heard of this movie at some point. Number six. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Wait, 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 wait. At 26 million. That was number four? That was number six. Oh, number six. Okay. Number seven. Okay. The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Yeah, that's a th- the third mummy with Brendan Fraser. And not Rachel Wise in it, which is stupid. Yes. Ugh. Such a, such a stupid decision. She was like the, the best part. Her and her uh, Brendan Fraser. They were Brendan they, Fraser's the best part. I lied. No, no, <laughs> She's no, second she, best part. No, 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 no. They I put them at both at the same spot because they were so good together. Yeah, so good together. Fucking universal, uh, man. Never oh. never been a better chemistry in an action adventure between a male and female lead. Unrivaled. I know this is a I know this is a tangent. I always said that Universal could have created their monsters universe starting with the mummy. Okay? You go in from the mummy, yeah. d- directed by Steven Summers. Then he goes on to do Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman. 
I love that movie. It's awesome. And somehow oh you could have done a, you could have done a, a Captain America thing where Van Helsing gets trapped under ice. They, you know, Rachel Wise or, or somebody finds him. They unearth him, and then he ends up going on adventures with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Wise. That would be so cool. I would totally watch that. That oh my god. And anyone who disagrees with me is wrong. That would have been awesome. <laughs> That would have been awesome. Except you know what we uh, got? Instead, instead, no. They they stopped Mummy. They stopped. They never did a sequel to Van Helsing. And Steven Summers would go on to give us G.I. Joe. Which... We'll, we'll circle back to G.I. Joe, actually. Yeah, yeah, yes. I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad we're on the same page. All right. Number eight, because we're still doing this. Number eight was Kung Fu Panda. The first Kung Fu Panda. Solid movie. 26 million. At 25 million, taking the number nine spot of the 2008 box office of South Korea, Iron Man. Okay. And then number 10 was The Dark Knight. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. Number 10? Okay, number look. Number 10. Okay, look. I, look, man. What was the first one? Scandal Makers. Hey, good for, good on Scandal Makers. Good on the good, the bad, the weird. Um, Everything Korean. Hey. Hey, shout out to you guys. You did awesome. The Dark Knight number 10? Indiana 24. Jones over the Dark Knight? Fuck yeah, out of here. More people care about Harrison Ford than Batman. <sighs> Honestly, I don't even hate uh, Crystal Skull. I don't. I think it's fun. But there's no way that movie should be on top of the Dark Knight. You're, you're taking offense to one movie making more money than another movie. I have a fight. I have a dog in this fight, damn it. I don't know. Is your favorite movie, does that, does that mean it should make the most money? Because it's your favorite movie? Yes, it should be on everybody's list. I think you're putting too much value in money. No! I do. I was actually wondering when the Dark Knight was going to show up on the list. Because I was like, ah, we, <laughs> was it even released in South Korea? I don't know, man. It's a it little was, too low. I, th I think that they, they do limit the amount of screens. That, wait, hold on. Opening number of theaters. I can see that information. The Dark Knight had 551 theaters opening with that, that movie. The Good, the Bad, and the Weird had 949. Oh, wow. Okay. However, Scandal Makers, the number one movie that year, only had 470. And it was the top earning movie of that, of that year. Mm-hmm. Wow, I gotta see what this is about. All right, so I'll read the I'll read the plot. Former teen idol Nam Hyun Soo is now in his thirties and works as a radio DJ. A young woman named Huang Jung Nam sends stories about her life as a single mother to the radio station Hyun Soo works at, telling him she is going to meet her father. He then finds out that he's her father, and she grows up at his and she shows up at his apartment with her son, Ki Dong Ki Dong. She tells him that her real name is Jae-in and that her mother was Hyun Soo's first love, Jung Nam. Hyun Soo doesn't believe it at first, so they undergo a DNA test, and test results confirm that they're related. Jae-in dreams of performing on stage as a singer, but Hyun Soo fears that if she does, their paternity scandal might get out. Okay, sounds definitely not an action film. Yeah, it's a drama kind of thing comedy yeah. drama it looks like from the poster of them on the couch it won a ton of awards yeah 
either way, solid, solid, solid box office. I'm really curious. I'm even more hyped to see good, the good, the bad, and the weird now. Uh, did you watch the good, the bad, and the ugly? Do you remember that movie? I did, but and it was a while ago. I think I've seen it like twice, and one time I fell asleep. But you know, like it's the, there's three different characters, you know, and they're after some kind of treasure. Yeah. But also the army is there's it's in the after like the civil war during the end of the civil war, so there's an army coming in. Yeah, the basic premise I'm I'm aware of, and the good, the bad, the weird seems like the exact same premise. Uh, from from the trailer, because I, I watched the yeah. trailer as well. Um, you've got the three main characters. You see them being chased by an army. And they do that thing where they're out in the middle of the desert and they're doing a Mexican standoff. Do you recognize any of the actors? I in the do. Trailer? Who do you I, recognize? I, I recognize the bad. The bad one. The bad, the bad lead. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Byung-hun? Lee, Lee Byung-hun. Okay. I recognize him because he's the lead and I saw the devil. He is. He is. He's the lead in that. And then so he's, he's the good in that. He he's the good guy. Well, <laughs> he's the good guy who is like the the protagonist. He's the protagonist who takes things maybe a little too far. Okay. But, but he <laughs> but he is the good guy ultimately. And right. I recognize him because he is in G.I. Joe. He is Snake Eyes' brother, I think? Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. Is he is he Snake Eyes' brother? I don't know. I've I've seen one and then I never They're, they're friends. Friends, <laughs> brothers, cousins, who knows? I don't know. Is Snake Eyes a bit? I don't know. It doesn't matter. No, Snake Eyes is a good guy. Okay. But that is how I recognize him. He's been acting in American films for a while. He was in Terminator yeah, he, Genesis. I think he was in he well, he was in both G.I. Joe films. And the in, new Magnificent Seven remake. With Chris Pratt and uh, Denzel Washington, yes. Yeah, and so, he was in a movie with Bruce Willis, uh, Red 2. Oh, I w- okay, I was going to say, I was like, I think he was in Red 2, but I, I, I just remember John Malkovich coming up. So I was like, I'm not confusing him <laughs> with John Malkovich. <laughs> but he, yeah, yeah. so really, really good actor. Is that all he, is, you don't recognize anybody else? Oh, oh, obviously the lead. Or, or the, not sure who, not sure if he is the lead, but I do recognize the weird. Yeah, the and, weird and like the ugly from uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly are like, you're. I think you're more invested in their stories than anybody else. So they're they seem they seem like they're the main person in the ensemble. Yes, and the That's, weird is played by Song Kang Ho, who was just in Paradise. In, no paradise. Pfft, all fucking... <laughs> just in paradise. Just Who? in paradise. What movie are we talk? <laughs> he was in Parasite. Yeah, one of my he... favorite films from 2019. Absolutely. Oh my god, I love that movie. It's so good. And this guy, here's the thing. I haven't seen him in a lot of things either. Uh he's been acting for a while. But I really like him. Like he just seems like a, a super cool guy. Absolutely. He just seems like a guy you just want to get fucked up with, right? <laughs> and like, yo, man, like, just just tell me like what it like what it's like in the, in the business. And he's like, man, do I have some stories? He was also <laughs> in you mentioned it earlier with Bong Joon Ho again. Snowpiercer. He was in Snowpiercer. The host. Oh, the host with Bong Joon Ho again. 
Yeah, he's been done a few movies with them, huh? Yeah. Hey, man, when you when you vibe with someone, you keep working with them. Yeah, it's like uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Quentin Tarantino. Oh, Marty, Marty Scorsese and Robert De Niro. So, no, nah, man, this movie looks... Look, the, the filmmakers behind it are great. The actors so far are looking great. I'm excited. And from the trailer, this movie looks bonkers. Like, this it looks movie... looks very fun. It's like it's clearly a western theme like the hero is riding a horse like riding a horse like a classic cowboy but so so gang ho is like on like a World War 2 style motorcycle with the sidecar <laughs> Yeah and then they go into like this like shanty town kind of thing where there's like they're like yeah uh, like oh, I swinging love with bamboo sticks like across the buildings and you're like what is happening it's like steampunky kind of I was uh, trying to clip scenes from this movie to put in our promos for the the next episode episode. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to like capture that scene. And I was, as I was looking at it, I'm like, man, this is, this feels a lot like Hunt Showdown right now. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Cause the people are like shooting and then like changing positions to get a better angle. And they're up on these rafters. You can hear them running on the metal and he's telling his his uh, the weird. You should run across, and so I can see where they're shooting you from. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Should I do a zigzag run, or yeah. should I run straight line?" Which is funny. That's that part, because <laughs> he because go- he goes for the zigzag. <laughs> I'm missing their shots. That's Hunt Showdown, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Hunt Showdown, he would be jumping. Yeah, he'd be jumping and crouching. <laughs> yeah. Nah, man, I'm I'm excited. For- yeah, man. I'm excited too. Uh, so we are going to watch this movie and do we, do we think of some questions that we want to look up beforehand? I think we mentioned them earlier just a refresher. Oh, whether, um, the director, like kind of, if he, if he talked about his experience between filming an uh, action movie in in South Korea compared to America. All right. Uh, I'm actually kind of intrigued about that a bit. I am also curious me personally about why, why the reference to the good, the bad, the, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. Maybe it's just by name, kind of like with A Tale of Two Sisters. I am curious as to how the movie transla- would translate for an American audience. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'll, like Not just the subtitles, but I'm talking about the action scenes. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. it seems very goofy and silly. And honestly, I don't think a lot of American films like to be silly or goofy they kind of are though i think the the freaking fast and the furious is like the goofiest shit i've ever seen in my life i wouldn't but i think it's goofy do you think it's not self-aware no no no. i think it's too self-aware because i think okay. when i think i think with something like hobbs and shaw it's trying to be badass more than anything and i think with at least from what i've seen it looks like this movie has that winking eye, whereas the Hobbs and Shaw is like, yeah, we're badass, but why is everyone laughing at us? <laughs> I just feel like sometimes things just take themselves a little too seriously, I think especially in American films. And while you do have something like John Wick that rides that balance perfectly, I think uh, I would like to see more of this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, the good, the bad, the weird. In America. Not a remake, but someone saying, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did that kind of silly thing, you know? I am kind of curious to see the cinematic differences between how an action scene looks in this movie versus how it would look in a Hollywood movie. 
Because I think there is a, a difference. You Exactly. What I couldn't say, you just said. Perfectly. Literally, what you just said is what I, I wanted to say, but I couldn't put it into words. I want to see... I want to see if I could spot any differences. And I mean, there there are going to be some differences. Since I, I think this will be the third time I've watched this movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I want to see if knowing how the story goes, will it change my third viewing? Because I remember the first time I watched this movie, I was like, the bad guy is such a, like, he he acts like he's so cool, but I, he he's not that cool. I don't know. For some reason, it bugs me. But, and I was like a, a dumb, what, 18, 19 year old then mm-hmm. who, who might have just been like jealous that there's a hot dude in this movie and he's cooler than me. I oh, don't know. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. He is so attractive. I, f- I feel I feel like uh, a lot of people hate Timothy Chalamet because for the same reasons. <laughs> yeah. I, I get that. I got you, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Him and uh, what's his name? Harry Styles. Harry Styles, yeah. Fuck them both. Great, great artist. They're just handsome they just men. make you feel bad about yourself because you're oh. like, man, how come I'm not that cool? <laughs> God. Why couldn't God give him like a mole or like a pimple <laughs> that will never be popped? God. But no, exactly right. Um... And I am excited to see uh, the actor from I Saw the Devil. I'm excited to see him again. You know, even yeah. though this is from an older film. I And it makes me want to rewatch I Saw the Devil again, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I it makes me want to put it on my list. All right. So we should get to it. Yeah. So we will see you in a minute. Hello, welcome back to Retrograde. We just finished watching The Good, The Bad, The Weird, directed by Ji Woon Kim. Kim, Kim Ji Woon. Kim Ji Woon. On IMDb, there's both. It's Ji Woon Kim, and in parentheses, as Kim Ji Woon. Yeah, because you say the, I think you say the family name first, so it'd be Kim Ji Woon. Ji Woon is a family name? No, the family name first. Oh, Kim, Kim. okay. Okay, It's like in. I think they do that in Japan as well, but sometimes you'll hear their like Akira Kurosawa. You you'll hear his first name first, but I think in Japan it would be Kurosawa. Aki, uh, Kurus- I was gonna say Akira. Um, I was gonna yeah. say it the other way. I was gonna say it the wrong way. <laughs> it's all good, uh, George. This is the first time you've seen the movie, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And I've seen this movie before, and I watched it again today. So I'm curious. To hear what you think of the movie. What's your first impression? First impression, I loved it. Fantastic. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I can't say <laughs> I can't say m- more positive things about it. it. Really. It's just so fun, right? It's what I want. It's like, I like things that are silly and fun, but also kind of violent and kind of mysterious. And it's so good. It's so fun. I like it, there's a lot of action in the movie. It's like action set piece, action set piece, action set piece. No, it's all well here. done. Action. It's all, it's well, all done. well done. Yeah, it's not. It's not tiresome. And actually, 
this movie, it took me to a good place. So much so that I was like, I have to see the other films that he made, right? So I watched The Last Stand, which was his uh, U.S. directorial debut. With Arnold Schwarzenegger and Johnny Knoxville. Yep. I had some thoughts about it. And then I was like, okay. Not not as great thoughts about it. And I was like, <laughs> all right, wait. Is this guy a hack? Absolutely not. I got to make sure. I got to know. So then I watched... <laughs> The film that I've seen before, I saw The Devil, which I've seen I've seen plenty of times. I was like, I, okay, maybe I'm I'm thinking about it in such a positive light. Maybe it's maybe it's not that great. And no, that movie's awesome too. <laughs> yeah, that so was seen, the movie he did right after The Good, The Bad, The Weird too. So I've seen three of this man's films in the last 24 hours. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of gore, a lot of violence running through my head right now, and a lot of Korean names as well. <laughs> trying to keep track of all the names. I, it, it, there's a lot of names. So I'm not going to be, I'm going to try to do my best, but you might hear me just say like, uh, the good, the weird. That's fine. Yeah. It, I mean, it got it, even to the point where Johnny Knoxville's character from The Last Stand, he's basically yeah. the weird. And I didn't cap, I didn't get his name uh, during the film. So I'm just calling him the weird part two. <laughs> okay. Um, so what is this movie about? Do you want me to summarize it? You summarize it. Hey everybody, just a quick heads up, we will be spoiling this movie, so in case you wanted to watch it, you could pause the episode right now, hop on Hulu if you're a subscriber, and you can watch it there, or you can go on Amazon or Fandango or any of those places and rent it for four bucks. Alright, back to the episode. Okay, so this movie is a like neo-western uh, action film, right? Mm-hmm. It is... I think the director, Kim Ji-Woon, described it as a kimchi western. <laughs> um, and it takes place like late 1930s in Manchuria, which is at the time like a kind of um, uninhabited like frontier kind of. That's the way it seems in this movie. Because I think China used to have control of that land and they abandoned it. And then the Japanese are trying to colonialize into it. And you have a bunch of Koreans who are trying to escape Japan. move Because at the time, I think Japan was invading Korea. Mm-hmm. So they, a lot of people were like, we don't want to live under Japanese rule. So they moved into Manchuria. But the Japanese are moving there as well. So it's kind of like, man, you you can't really escape the colonial system. Um, so it's kind of like the the frontier in like the American Westerns where you have people moving west because they want to find gold. And they want to have a new life and all this stuff. Meanwhile, the Industrial Revolution is happening. We're building railroads. We're industrializing that part of the, the country. Um, so it's a kind of a wild west, I guess. It, you have a bunch of different groups trying to take things for themselves, and there are people there just trying to live. Well, it's the, it's the Wild East, right? I mean, it's it's like the Wild North, I guess, because Manchuria is north of Korea. It is present-day North Korea, I think. Oh, okay. Part of it is. The Wild it's, North. A, the thing is, like, with Westerns, like, we kind of know, like, the history. Like, we know about the Civil War. We know about the Native Americans. I thank Red Dead for that. Rockstar yeah. taught me <laughs> yeah. about... You're absolutely right. There is a background that we are familiar with. But with watching this film, I wasn't too sure about this. I didn't know who was invading, who was trying to colonize. Yeah. I had no idea. I think the first time I watched it, I thought it was just kind of like a made-up 
kind of thing. But like, there <gasps> is. Bro, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, is Manchuria real? Because it could have been made up. <laughs> you and know I it's Googled... real because it's a, the Manchurian candidate, right? I thought that, but I was like, maybe it's this is just like a weird place. Like, maybe this is just a weird place that he came up that, that that's created. Nope, mm-hmm. it is a real thing. It's called something differently now. Well, at the time, the Japanese called it Manchuko. Manchuko. Uh, it's also goes by Gogu Goguri Goguryo. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know if it's Korean or Japanese. The pronunciation. I think Manchuko. Officially, yeah. the state of Manchuria prior to 1934 and the Empire of Manchuria after 1934. So that's what that's what I saw. Yes. So like the people moving there are kind of running from something and trying to start new. And there's all these other groups there that are trying to take their their piece. So it's kind of at the same time, it is kind of like a fantastical setting. Like it's based on history, but it isn't like actual history, much like. Uh, Sergio Leone and all the Italian directors would recreate the American West, but they had their own kind of like spin on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, So that's the kind of of setting that we have. In this film, there is a treasure map and this uh, Korean guy who's kind of, it seems as though he's made his money by selling off stuff to the Japanese. Like he speaks, I think he's speaking Korean, but he dresses with Japanese, uh, like a Japanese kimono, and he has Japanese swords and stuff. I, mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. And he's like, all right, we're going to sell this map to this important Japanese banker. I need you to give this map to him. And then right after that, he hires an assassin who is the bad, Park Chang-Yi, I think is his name. Uh, yeah, Park Chang-Yi, played by Lee Boyn Hunt. Lee Hun. Lee uh, Hun. Lee Hun, who he, we will get back to him. Yeah. So the bad is hired to take the map back so that they can have the map and the money from from the Japanese banker. He gives him a ticket to go on the train and then he cuts up the tickets like bandits don't need tickets. I'm going to stop the train. So, So then we have this like train robbery where also on board is the weird Tegu who is trying to steal from the Japanese there because he's just like a common thief. He's a common he's a, bandit. He's yeah. The the bad is like almost uh and like an assassin. You know, he's a high level. Pretty much thief. kills or tries to kill everybody he meets. Yeah, and the 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 weird played by uh Kang uh Song Song Kang Ho of Parasite fame. Parasite, uh, the host. He is oh uh Snowpiercer. He's playing the weird mm-hmm. and he's on the train and he's just a low level bandit. I think his uh the bounty on his head is. The same as a used piano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's like just kind of there to rob the train and like the rich people on the train. And he kind of happens upon the map. But also after the map and specifically after Park Park Chang-Gi is the good, whose name is... Park Du-Wong. Park or- Du-Wong. And he's kind of like your Clint Eastwood like substitute. He... You know, he's handsome. They're all kind of handsome, I guess. All, all, all three of them are very handsome men. I think that was part of the draw to this movie, too. That they were handsome? Yeah. So he's like, he's wearing a cowboy hat. He's got like the, he doesn't say much, but he shoots straight, I think is what one reviewer said. Uh, and he's there after the bad guy. Um, so after the train robbery, which is a great sequence, 
the weird ends up escaping with the map, but he doesn't really know what the map is. And he meets up with his family, or, like, or I guess his friend, and his friend is like, we should sell the map to the to the ghost market because everybody's going to come after this. Armies are coming after this. The Japanese armies after this. The Korean Liberation armies after this. And you have the bad who who's in a ruthless gang. And you have another gang, a multinational gang with a Chinese leader. He's the guy with the mace. He's swinging around. Yeah. They're yeah. all after this thing. So he wants to sell it and make money and not. But the weird, he wants to like actually go to the place that's on the map. So eventually everyone is like after the weird. So he has to like run away. He gives the map to his grandma. There's a big shootout at the ghost market. The weird is like riding away to like draw attention away from where the map is. And he gets ambushed by the good. And they form a kind of uh, a deal. bond. Yeah. A yeah. Deal. Like I'll give you, I'll give you the map in, and we'll share, we'll split the profits 60, 40. I get 60, you get 40. Yep. And and the good's like, fine, okay, I, I'm going to get money from uh, finding the bad and the map. So then they well, go re- back. Re- remember, by this point, the weird already has the map. Yes. Yeah. So they, it, there's a big shootout in the ghost market. Mangill actually has the real map. He gives it like one of his one of his last things that he does is gives it to the weird. The weird and the good form like a pseudo bond. Uh, and everyone's the, a little scattered. Everyone's yeah, looking for the, the weird because they know he has the map. The bad, he's after the map, but then he finds out who the weird is and he recognizes the name and now he's like, I need to kill Tegu. That's my new mission and the map. I want the map, but I want to kill Tegu. Mm -hmm. And you don't really know why, but you find out as the movie goes on. The weird, he leaves the good in the desert to try to find the treasure first. And then he gets captured by this group pretend, like it's like a brothel. And the yeah. leader of the brothel is like pretending to be part of the Korean Liberation Army. And he drugs the weird and turns him over to the Japanese. The weird like escapes. There's like a really funny fight sequence. And he saves like the kids that are being held captive oh my, there. We, we got to talk about that. <laughs> and he goes back on the run. And then the Japanese are like bombing the town that he's in. So he has to like leave the town. And then there's, there's this big like Mad Max-esque chase that's what sequence. I was, that's where, exactly what I was thinking. Mad Max Fury Road. Where like everyone's on horses and some people on bikes. And Cars. then the, the Chinese-led gang is coming after them. The bad is coming after them. Everybody's shooting everybody. And then the Japanese show up and they just start like shooting artillery and shooting machine guns and it's like a lot of people are dying but then the good shows up he's caught up to the weird and he like shoots a bunch of them he's and he's like flipping his gun around and it's it's a great sequence but it it does i guess i'll get into it later there's parts of it where i'm like "Mm." it reminded me of when you said um that american films are very sanitized and in this moment in particular, I was like, you know what? That's not a bad thing. I'll get into it later. Oh, oh, I all right, all right. But at the at the end of it, um, the weird escapes. Most of the bad's gang is dead. The Japanese have turned around because of a, a dynamite scare. They're like, oh, dynamite! Let's get out of here. 
<laughs> and then it's just the three of them, the good, the bad, the weird. And they and found all... they, they found where the treasure's located. But they don't really know there's there's it looks empty. It looks like some kind of infrastructure that was there and it's no is there no longer. It's not treasure. So then the bad shows up and he's carrying all the treasure that he got from the his boss that he killed and he like stole everything from his vault vault. And he's like, Alright, we're gonna fight. And whoever wins this fight takes everything. And everyone will know the legend of who the best is. The weird is like, I don't need this. I don't want, like, you're, you're dumb for coming out here and losing everything to, for this. I'm going to leave. And then he's like, no, you're not, because we have a score to settle. It's finger chopper. And oh, I forgot about the finger chopper uh, thing. Well, earlier but, on, there... Earlier on, there's this myth about someone named the Finger Chopper who obviously chops fingers. We're we're not sure exactly who the Finger Chopper is up until this point. Um, the good is convinced that the Finger Chopper is uh, the bad, Park Chang Yi, but it ends up being the weird. And the reason he left Korea was because he's trying to leave all of that violence behind him and then become a petty train robber who shoots people i don't know <laughs> well he's but, no longer chopping people's fingers off yeah he's not like dressed in all black and like cutting people mercilessly mm -hmm. um so the good finds out oh that's the finger chopper all right well i'm gonna try to kill you too so then it's the famous like three-way duel and they'll shoot Mexican each other standoff bro get the name yeah. right but it's this is specific to the good the bad and the ugly though where they all try to shoot each other it's like a three-way duel. Well, that's what a Mexican standoff is. Isn't a Mexican standoff when it's three people? No. No, but no, wait, no. Look it up. Go ahead, look it up. I'll wait for you to be wrong. A Mexican standoff is a reoccurring trope in cinema in which several armed characters hold each other at gunpoint. There is no definitive requirement that the confrontation involve <laughs> at least three parties. So, I'm right. It is... It is a Mexican standoff, but you're not correcting me by saying that. Classic. Well, it's it's. Uh, it's also it's, like referencing the cinematography of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. With the close-ups on their eyes and their hands on their guns and everything. They're in like a triangle kind of mm -hmm. formation where no allegiances. You know, yeah. shit's gonna go down. So they all shoot each other, and then you're not really sure who won. As soon as they all, like, drop down, they're all, like, mortally wounded. The treasure is actually oil, and it, like, spews out from the ground. And they're all looking at it like, what the fuck is that? And then the Tegu looks at the treasure map before the wind takes it away. And then it kind of goes into the credits. And then there's a mid credit scene where you see the the bad and the weirds bounties on the board and you see an X crossed over the bad because he's dead. But then the weird has his bounty taken down and the value increases like 10 times. What and the fuck? You... I didn't see that. Yeah. And <gasps> then, and then the good, he's like looking at the bounty and he's like, Hmm. And then you see Tegu like riding off in, in uh, grace, uh, black and white into the desert so the good and the weird live yes there's actually more to it because there's an international cut and a korean cut and i think i think the korean cut takes it has a lot more 
like it provides more background oh, to really? the situation. Yeah. What to the to the Japanese invasion or just character backgrounds? Character backgrounds. There's a whole section where the Korean Liberation Army has is represented in the movie. Because we don't see them in this in the Hulu. We don't cut. see them at all. Yeah. That's the international cut. In the Korean cut, you see the Korean Liberation Army, and one of them is a, a female soldier. She's in like a suit and stuff. So it then passes the Beckdale test because you have two female characters talking to each other. <laughs> um, but anyway, she hires the good to find the map because the Japanese can't have it. The Japanese are on their last legs in the invasion, and if they get the treasure, they'll be able to keep the war going. But if the Koreans get it, then they can stop the war or something. Well, it's interesting because you said that the good was looking for the map. But from what I gathered, he was only looking. He was a bounty hunter. Yes. He, 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 he didn't know about he didn't know about the bound or about the map yeah. until everyone started learning about it. So he's after the map for the army. And also they kind of sweeten the deal by saying, oh, Park Chang-Yi is looking for it, too. So he'll get both of them. And he's like, all right, I'm in. I want to see that cut. And then there is another scene at the end where the weird, he kind of like after the shootout, he's left there with the bad. And he's like, man, why is it so hard to move? And he pulls out a metal sheet that he was wearing under his clothes, which is a reference to Fistful of Dollars. But you probably know that from Back to the Future. Back to the Future Part 3. Yes, sir, I do. This film has a ton of references to like westerns in general, like the, specifically the Italian westerns, I think. And it's, it's really interesting because Sergio Leone, like he was inspired by the, the mythical American West, but cinematically he was very much inspired by Akira Kurosawa, mm-hmm. who's a Japanese director. Like I think the Magnificent 7 is actually just... The Seven Samurai. Yeah, it's a Seven Samurai. Was, was the Magnificent Seven a Akira Kurosawa, a Sergio Leone movie? I don't think it was. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's John Sturges. It's not... Okay, but wait, anyway, like... Hold, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I you gotta pa- We gotta pause real quick because I want to see this. Okay. I have... There's even an extended scene in the Korean cut where after pulling out the, the metal sheet, he goes to the treasure or the, the oil reserve, and he's trying to blow it up along with the bad's body, and he finds diamonds on his dead body. He's like, ah, oh, sweet, diamonds. Then the Japanese army shows up, and he's like, oh, shit. So then he lights the dynamite to scare them away again, and they all run away. <laughs> and then he he puts it out, but he accidentally lights another one, and he's like, shit. And then it fades to black, and they hear an explosion. <laughs> okay. It sounds a bit more fun. It sounds like they clear up things, but the thing is, I wasn't really asking for these. Th- you know what I mean? Like, I felt really yeah. satisfied by the end of the Hulu cut. Yeah, but I think the absence of the Korean Liberation Army is 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 really weird, and I'm not sure why that why that is. Like, part of it maybe because the Korean history doesn't make as much sense to international viewers. Like, they don't have that context at the ready. So it's just like, what is this scene? I don't understand it. And there's not enough of it to explain, and you don't really need it because it's just the West. But it it is something that motivates the good. You know, it's I think part of his character is like, why is he after the map? I don't... The impression I got was never about the map. It was 
uh, he started off as a bounty hunter and he got wrapped up all in this. And then as the story went along, he started kind of thinking about what would happen if he ran into the map, you know, because there's that scene with him and the weird where he's like, what would you do with it? it? No, actually, never mind. Don't stop thinking about it. And he's kind of like the good st- stays up and he's like, well, never really thought about it. But now that I am, hey, wait, are you asleep? And the mm-hmm. weird asleep. That's kind of as far as, you, you know, you kind of, it's one of those things where you're given enough information and it's just ambiguous enough for you to kind of put in your own meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one thing I was thinking about watching the film. I was like, we haven't seen the Korean Liberation Front because we saw someone posing as them. I was yeah. like, it would have been really interesting to see them just because we're seeing this whole story take place from different angles. Everybody wants the map, you know? I thought it was weird that we didn't see them, but we also see like these, uh, like the, this Chinese gang. You you say, you're saying they're Chinese. The right? leader the leader was Chinese, but the gang is multinational. They even okay. have like a a white dude, the blonde guy, <laughs> who's who's riding with them. Oh, I didn't even notice that white guy. He's, I, he's I the noticed... guy who's like, uh, hey, don't kill him because he might have had he might have the map somewhere else. And then then the other guy's like, okay, I'll tell him. Sound oh. the horn. <laughs> oh, I didn't even recognize that was a white dude. I recognized the train conductor and the woman at the brothel, and that was that was like, oh, two white people. Okay. And I think one of the women at the brothel, yeah, one of the women at the brothel was white. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, what that, ta- right? that's what I'm talking okay. about. Those were the two yeah. that I recognized. Yeah. I just thought it was a little, not weird. I was like, oh, you would have figured since we're like including everyone, this is a big, this is a big story, right? You, we would have mentioned them mm-hmm. or we would have brought them in. In terms of characterizing the good, every, for me, every character just got enough characterization, right? Because... And they're all characterized very well, for the most part. I didn't feel like anyone was lacking. Maybe the good, but I also do think he was maybe lacking in screen time, just in general. But, you know, I cared about all of them, even the bad. I thought they were all really interesting, and they had their own quirks. And, yeah, I I am curious to see the Korean cut of this film. Yeah, there is one thing that I do want to, like, get out in front of because I don't want the whole podcast to be about it. But there is one thing that I don't think held up very well. What is it? Something that I didn't really think about until I was watching it again is the, the scenes with the horses where they're taking falls. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? I saw them falling a lot. Yeah. Specifically when during like the big, like final chase, which I think is like a really cool scene, but there's some stuff that happens with the horses where they like fall forward and I'm like, dude, that has to hurt. Like, I don't, I don't care about, um, you know, the realism of it or whatever. That in real life, that horse took a fall and is in pain, and it was for a movie. Now, I don't think that you should abuse an animal for for a shot. You know what well, I mean? Well, okay. Here's the thing. I've always felt weird seeing animals get hurt on screen. Right? It is one of the reasons why at Apocalypse Now, I love Apocalypse Now. But there's that scene where they're killing the calf. Uh, it just mm-hmm. kind of irks me a little bit. Not enough to like for me to like fuck the movie. But every time I watch, it, I just kind of have to close my eyes because they're actually killing the calf. And maybe that's something that they do in their it's culture. It's something that, yeah, that culturally that they are going to to sacrifice that animal anyway. And they just captured it on film. Yeah. So that's kind but- of how I justify it. There are, there are instances where you will see, for example, he does this too in I Saw the Devil. 
there's a scene where there's two dogs fighting over uh, a piece of uh, a human flesh and the dogs are like attacking each other. So part of me is it, it looks really believable. And like what you're saying with the horses. Yeah. It, those horses fall like a lot of stunt men, stunt women, the horses, they took falls. But part but of with me the, with stuntmen, stuntmen know how to fall yeah. to protect themselves. Also, they're being compensated. They know the risks. They are consenting to this. The horse cannot consent to this. But that also begs the question, are the horses actually being hurt? Because they're definitely been... being hurt. You think so? Definitely. Because there's a practice that they use in the film that is banned in other countries. So that five, there's like a five second shot that was removed in the international cut because it violated animal rights laws in the UK. Oh. So they're definitely being hurt in this movie. I don't know. I don't know to what extent. I don't know if any of them died, but a bad fall can lead to a horse being euthanized. There's yep. a HBO series called Luck, uh, where a horse ended up breaking its skull, and they had to euthanize it right after. Oh, that was with uh, Dustin Hoffman, right? It was very recently. I think it was 2012. Yeah, with Dustin Hoffman. We don't really think about it because we see the AHA thing come up and say no animals were harmed in this film. Yeah. So it makes us feel good. Yes. It makes us feel like, okay. But I read this article. It's from The Hollywood Reporter. And I can link the article in our um, blog post saying that the AHA in the film isn't so much protecting the animals in the film. It's protecting the filmmakers from culpability of harm done to the animals. I found out about this from the article that I read before. Do you remember The Hobbit? Yeah, of course, The Hobbit. So there was they were filming The Hobbit, and I think they, were, they encountered some kind of um, weather difficulty, so they had to like, postpone filming. Mm -hmm. And the animals that were being used in the film didn't really have proper infrastructure to be housed there. So 27 of them ended up dying from dehydration, exposure. During The Hobbit? The Hobbit, yeah. The, the Peter Jackson, the one that just came out like a, 10 years ago. Yes. Jesus. In New because they were, yeah, in New Zealand, because they were filming there. Yeah, they died in a farm where they were housed. 27 of them? 27. But nothing, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hear about it. Yeah, it's something that probably they don't want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I th I think the, I don't know if it had the, the thing at the end where no animals are harmed at the end of this movie, but they did. And, and I, I think some of them said it, it was, they died from natural causes or something, but it's not natural because they were brought there to be used in the movie. And the farm didn't have the infrastructure to have them live there. <sighs> okay. And you think the good, the bad, the weird is probably the same is the same thing. See, I'm trying to find specifically if any of them died, but I can't. But, I, there's but, not I mean, a lot there. It's hard to say, but I mean, look, as as someone who saw the film, I mean, those stunts were wild. I appreciated that a lot. And there is a they have there are throwing artillery. There's a bunch of horses. There's cars. There's a bunch of chase. There's cameras and stuff. Yeah, it I, it looks it looks cool until it's like. Those horses can't be okay, like running through the desert with explosions going off. You know what I mean? Like, that's not normal horse life. You know? No, but well, remember, these aren't regular horses, too, though. These are horses that have been trained and stuff like that. They're not just going to get a bunch of horses from the zoo and it's like, all right, go run. 
But again, though, to to he if you were if someone were to come to me who was on that shoot and it's like, oh yeah, like a horse broke its leg, I would not be surprised. Because I was like, yeah, there's a wild, a, a lot of wild shit happens in that final cut, in that final act. Part of it kind of takes me out of it though, because I know that the horses, the way that they fall, it wasn't rehearsed, and that that was what caused an issue with the U- UK censors. You can't have this in the film because the horse wasn't trained to fall this way. So they took out the five seconds and the movie was released in the UK. Fuck. That's the that's that's sad. That's depressing to hear. That's sad. Yeah, it is. And because it's so sad, that's why it's hard to, to find information on it because they don't want people to think about that in the movie. Yeah. But that's like the one thing that like bothered me too. And like, I guess the... The kind of uh, lack of female representation. They're just kind of there to, to scream and <laughs> be sexy in parts. And that's kind of it. Yeah, kind of the but same it, Same with the I Saw the Devil. It is kind of a trope that is in Westerns. But, you know, it's it's 2008. The Quick and the Dead has, has been a thing. It, it doesn't need to be there. It's just... I think at this point, it is one of those things where it's just kind of obvious when they're like playing the dams on the stress on one hand, it's like a lot of these older movies did it and they're done. They're finished. Like there's nothing to do about it. And there's another part where it's just like, well, but it still bothers me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it, it's, it's in this, you know, that's why we're doing this to see what has held up, you know, cause mm. you know, seeing a Western that has way more like active female characters is one of those things like, Oh, they were thinking ahead. This film wasn't thinking as far in terms of its female representation. Not even uh, I Saw the Devil, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I love that movie, but it is one of those things where like you just kind of notice. But I agree with those two faults. I didn't know about the horses. That wasn't an original thing that I was gonna com- I was gonna talk about because I didn't know. I just kind of figured, oh yeah, like these. I'm sure these horses were taken care of. I was hoping they never got injured. Like if someone told me, yeah, a horse died, I'd be like, you know. But I was hoping that that wasn't the case. I have a problem with the filmmaking itself. There is one issue I do have with the movie. What is that? That sometimes they just cut way too much unnecessarily. And like, I get it's frenetic and stuff. And again, mm-hmm. I don't look, man, I, I like Michael Bay. I don't mind his editing. People are like, I can't understand what's happening in the frame. Grow the fuck up. All right. It's not that difficult. It's it's pretty comprehensible. OK, unless you're like my dad who throws up because he just he just can't handle it. But I'm like, it's pretty comprehensible. That being said, this movie had like a few moments where I was like, all right, you didn't need to do all that. And there's one moment in particular where I was laughing because I was like, you mm-hmm. did not have to cut this act this much for this one thing. What was and that part? It was. um when mangil 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 sold the map to to the to to the gang and mm-hmm. then right afterwards chang uh chang yi the, the, the bad the bad shows up he sits down and he's like where's the map where are they and mangil's like stuck in a corner he's not sure what to do so then he decides to like because it's like he park chang yi doesn't show up alone he has his whole posse there yeah. he's got the dude with the hammer he's got the dude in the long coat with the two swords and those guys are, are scary. <laughs> They're all scary looking motherfuckers. They're all scary. And so Mangil like gets up and like, you know, the bad like 
hit some. It, it, there's like five different cuts in like three seconds that it was. I could not tell what was happening. It was. He was dancing around him and cutting him on every single no, 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 part no, no, of no. his body. No, 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 not not that. I I know that part. That part's not. That part's not bad. In in fact, that part's cool because the camera's overhead and it's like he's dancing. That's not the part I'm talking about. I'm talking about when they're seated at the table. And Mangale makes the first move. And I think the bad like gets up, kicks him. The hammer guy comes in, hits him. It, it was it was just like five or six cuts for like knocking Mangale on the floor. I was like, okay, that's excessive. Like, I don't mind cutting, but that was just like, okay, this was like that would that scene, that little moment was a fucking clusterfuck of edits that was not needed. I don't know. It didn't bother me. It bothered the fuck out of it, me. It, it bothers me like like that scene in Taken 3 when Liam Neeson's like going over the fence. Bro, but that's that's, that's, that's exactly bad. what I was thinking. I don't, I, I don't think it's as bad as that, though. I think it's worse than that. I don't that think so. Because I could not see what was happening. Because for the most part, this movie has frenetic action camera moves. It has frenetic editing, all, all to the point of what it is. And it doesn't bug me. Like, I can tell... Oh, what's happening here, here, here? I, I know what's happening. I know what's going on. But in that little moment, this is a nitpick. And again, I'm nitpicking because I love this movie. Like when you <laughs> love something, you you just nitpick it because it's just that little thing, right? And I love this movie. And this is a nitpicky complaint. But man, I saw that scene. I was like, I had to rewatch it like multiple times because I was like, Did, is it just me or is this editing confusing? And I watched it and I was like, I think I, it's I think it's the movie. I think they overdid it in that moment. I did see people complain about that. They say that the direct the director does too much. But I don't know. I, I like all the stuff that he does, how he portrays action yes, in the movie. Yes, I, I agree, 100%. And, like, the framing seems very, like, intentional. Like, there's that part where it's kind of like a funny fight where he fights the guy at the brothel where he, like, tries to hit him with the axe and the axe gets caught in, like, the low clearance of the hallway. Oh, yeah. And then they're, like, fighting with sticks. And, like, as, like, the weird brothel guy is, like, hitting him on his fingers, he's, like, pushing him out of the frame. And it, th- that whole sequence was, was, like, really funny to me. Well, and this is and this is what I like. It's the movie is very playful. And yeah. there's so much happening to, to the fight scenes, right? Because the choreography is entertaining. But I'm, I'm briefly going to we're going to briefly go into the American thing, right? Because for me, the problem that I have with a lot of American action films is that it's a lot of on the choreography, but action is so much more than that, right? Yeah. Action is, it, it's a scene. There needs to be a meaning behind what's happening. And, there, and there's a lot of things that go into making a great action scene. And a lot of films just rely on choreography or they'll film it in the te- in one take and be like, oh, look, it's a one take action scene. Oh, so, did you listen to our Children of Men episode? Yeah. And look, man, I love that stuff. I do. <laughs> but... Children of Men has so much more going on than that. It is an actual scene that's taking place. Everything's happening. The the level of chaos. I, look, and again, I, I love Children of Men. I know that I'm saying this, but my problem with a lot of action scenes nowadays, it's that it's so, it's so reliant on those two aspects. And I'm like, there's so much more that happens with action scenes. For example, the good, the bad, the weird. They are constantly playing with the editing. They are messing. They are... Their editing is top notch. They're framing what you just said when they're hitting when they're hitting the weird out of frame and he's throwing things out of frame. That's just a small little gag, but it's funny. 
this movie is so playful and it balances the choreography, the editing, the framing, the 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 music. It's doing all I of love these the things. Music. The movie, the music is amazing. And it is constantly doing it is finding innovative and fun little things about each of these aspects that makes the action scenes incredible. There's a ton of action in this movie. A ton of action. It never gets boring. Even the scenes in that aren't action-packed, I don't find boring. This movie is not boring. It is, and here's the thing, and I know, I I know you're gonna disagree with me, but I was watching this movie and I was like, this dude should have directed Mortal Kombat, because <laughs> I've been thinking about Mortal Kombat, and the more I think about it, the less I like it. And really, yes, and the reason I don't like it is because it doesn't have fun. Disagree. I know you do. I know you do. But for me, that movie is boring. And it's boring. And this movie shows shows me why it's boring. Because this movie has fun in every little aspect. Every little thing. It's they'll, They make a whole gag about a diver's helmet. Oh, yeah. He's got the diver. So there's a scene in the movie when they're in the ghost market. And the, the bads gang is shooting up the place. And it's just the good and the weird. And... The weird finds like an old diver's suit and he wears it so his head is bulletproof and he's like peeking around corners and then seeing where people are and shooting them. <laughs> Little gags like that. That wasn't needed. I mean, it it was nice because they gave him in that and it gave him in an advantage in the gunfight. So it logistically makes sense. <laughs> but they didn't really have to, though. They don't they don't wear this diver's helmet for the rest of the film. But it's something really fun that they did. Something even more subtle, the way he breaks through doors. Did you hear what the, the sounds that the weird makes when he breaks through doors? Eee! Right? Yeah! <laughs> little, little things like that that are just so fun. And this movie is taking advantage of the entire medium and the performances. It's just, oh my, it's so, so good. And they, my fa- one of my favorite scenes is when uh, the good during the ghost market fight uh battle or showdown he like he's like swinging on the rope and yeah. he's just shooting people with with his like rifle in one hand while swinging in the other <laughs> it's, so it's so good cool. it this movie definitely reminded me of mad max fury road cuz that movie kind of does the same thing it's a simple premise right all cars yeah. in a desert landscape nothing nothing too crazy but it takes the idea and it runs with it. And it says, here's all the possible things that we could do. Here are all the gags, all the tricks, all the visual gags and cues that we could do in order to make each action scene, each action scene unique. And that's what I want in American films. I don't think enough American films do this. I think there's just so contingent on two people fighting, two people shooting their guns at each other. And that's it. And that's one of the reasons I love John Wick. Because yeah. John Wick will take... John Wick, the entire movie is just people shooting and fighting each other. That's what it is. They also go into Eastern influences as well. Yes. There's that scene in John Wick 3 when there's they're fighting on the motorcycles with swords. Yes, and you like, showed me. It's an incredible scene, and it's really fun. It's not realistic, but I don't watch those movies to, you know, for realism. I watch them for to see some cool action scenes, you know? Exactly. And that's a really cool action scene. So that that scene in John Wick was actually inspired by this movie called The Villainess, which is a South Korean film. I think it was on Hulu, but it I don't know how they do it because like you're they're fighting with swords on bikes and the camera's getting like in there. It's like 
whoever's filming this is on roller skates and they're like hanging onto the motorcycles with handheld cameras or something. It's nuts. I love that. I love that's one of my favorite things watching a film. And it's like, how do they do that? How does it that to me is a sign of like people really going out of their way to do something spectacular. Do you know what I mean? Except people, I feel like people have kind of lost that Marvel because now it's like, well, CGI, right? Like, oh, how Mm -hmm. do they make Goro just to go back to Mortal Kombat? It's like, well, it's, it's, it's just CGI. But with something like John Wick and the villainess and with this movie too, you're just like, wow, how do they really go about this? Cause they, I don't know how much CGI they used in this movie. But a lot of it looked real. If Almost everything looked real. Like, yeah. it, it, the ghost market, that was made up. There's there's one uh, a crane it's shot. Like an actual set, yeah. There's a crane shot where there's a guy with the fire. He kind of scares the weird. And I'm like, okay, so I'm guessing the far background was painted on, was matte, was a matte painting, you know, or maybe a mm-hmm. CGI green screen or whatever. But a lot, there's a lot of extras, a lot of animals, a lot's happening. There's just little touches like that that really make this film pop. And when it gets to the action scenes, it's the same thing. I Damn. It's really impressive. And my problem is a lot of... I, I feel that a lot of the action films that I've seen in America don't really go out that far. They don't really take it that far. They don't take any of the, these ideas and see how far can we push it. Yeah, it's definitely unlike... American action films, definitely. Like the way that it's filmed, it's very. It, there's a style to it. Yes. Like th- there's that scene when they're like th- from the train robbery too. Like when they're running through the train cars. Yeah. That looks really cool, and the way that the camera reveals information when it chooses to reveal information, you'll see somebody walk off screen and then immediately get like punched back. So you see them cross the frame again. Is it's funny. Well, that that happens multiple times. It happens with the hammer guy. Because it he, happens both times. It happens. It's with the hammer guy. When the good gets hit out of the train, <laughs> and when the weird gets hit uh, during the ghost market. And I feel every, like you and never a, see him swing his hammer. Yeah, <laughs> it's just and always it's, off screen. It's funny because when the good gets hit with the hammer, I really thought of like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Because <laughs> yeah. he's looking at him, and he's looking at the guy, and all you see him is bust through the window. That's funny. That's silly. That's playful. Why can't films embrace this? We loved it as kids when it was cartoons. Why can't we like it as grown people? Even when the that hammer guy dies, his death is off screen too. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I love I love that. It's and that's what makes this film so the filmmaking in this so great is that it's just silly and fun, but it still takes itself seriously. Like, just because something is silly and fun doesn't mean that they're not taking the story seriously. Because, like we were saying earlier, they characterize each of the three main protagonists very well. There's a lot of layers to it. You know, you have you have all these people that are looking for the map. And it is dramatic because in that final Mexican standoff, you're like, shit, what's going to happen? You know, I kind of wanted the weird to win. Because he was who I was sympathizing with the most. But I'm sure some people would want the good to win. And maybe some people that bad for it to win. Because he's so gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about like the... Uh, I guess I kind of mentioned the meta references uh, to like the, the spaghetti western as a whole. Or the western genre as a whole. There's also one thing that I didn't mention. Is the fact that the, the bad... 
he is he had played romantic leads in the past. Oh, so really? he's usually a good guy. You know what I mean? That's interesting. And in this movie, like I forget how like ruthless he is. He he kills pretty much everybody he meets almost. Even the poor girl on the train who's like freaking out and he's like annoyed by her and he shoots her in the head. That's I th- I feel like part of why he's so ruthless is because he's used to being like a good guy and maybe there's like a lack of believability in seeing the good guy be so bad. Mm-hmm. That's also a, a reference, I think, to Henry Fonda in Once Upon a Time in the West. Mm. Who, Henry Fonda usually plays good guys, but in that movie, he plays a really, really bad guy. Like one of the first things he does is shoot a kid in the head as he's running away. <laughs> Well, it's interesting how much, how many, because I'm sure there are so many references. I've never gone too deep in the westerns, you know. I've seen a few here and there, but I am sure that this movie is littered, littered with references to all that, and even meta, even meta references like Henry Fonda playing the villain, same as, uh, same as, um, as Lee Hunt. And and what's interesting too is that this uh, film, like a bunch of. It was very popular in Korea. It was like the second highest grossing movie of the year. It was the most expensive Korean film at the time with $17 million, 15 to $17 million budget. And there's a, an article that my friend found who's is big into Westerns and he found some pretty art articles that I, I couldn't find in the cinema journal of sp- spring of 2015. Just, this teacher is talking about seeing all these big posters and all the big Korean stars and these kids that went to go see the movie and they had never even heard of the good, the bad and the ugly. So it's like, it's interesting that the director chose to make all these references to films that the Korean audiences weren't really familiar with. And I think it was to make this film for an international audience. And for people who who like films in general. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that's what... I mean, Tarantino does the same thing. Um, yeah, that's true. They they reference their film so much. And in the end, it, it lends it some... It's an homage. You know, it's a reference. Uh, so if you caught it, hey, cool cool on you. But what I'm glad is that, you know, it's, there's still a good story behind it. You know? Because, yeah, I'm sure there are a ton of references to a bunch of Westerns that I've never even seen or heard of. Honestly, I don't really care, though, because I really like this movie. If anything, I have seen The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, and I prefer this one over that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you this. In the next week or so, I'm probably going to rewatch this movie. It's been years since I've seen The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. I'm not saying that it's is, not good or anything, but... Yeah, this movie is a lot more easier to digest, I think. If Well, except for the, the horses absolutely being harmed, but uh, yeah. it is easier to watch. Well, there's yeah. momentum, there's excitement mm-hmm. and stuff. And from what I can remember, that movie was a lot of quiet. Hey, maybe I might just have to rewatch The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Um, did you recognize any of the music in the film? Uh, no, I, I like the music. I really there's liked a, a lot of the music, but I can't say I remember it from another source. Do you remember that part in the final chase? Yes, yes, I do. I was listening to that part. And I'm like, yo, I think I've heard this song before. I think it's an animal song. And it's, it's a cover of 
don't let me be misunderstood or something by the animals. And I think the track, the, the cover of that song was on the Kill Bill soundtrack. It's the same song, except they took out the vocals. Oh, I, I, I couldn't recognize the music, but I, I love the music. It's yeah, just it has that, that same like high energy and it feels Western because of like the hand claps and the Spanish guitars and everything. It's funky, but it's classical and it's like it's got that Western feel and it, it hypes you up. And what I like yeah. is that there are moments where it will like get quiet and then the music will just come in and everything just feels way more epic because the music's mm-hmm. in here. Uh, I mean, going back to the scene where the good is swinging over Ghost Market, that's that music. That scene, there's not that much music. And then once he gets on it, there's just like, even though it's a quiet little, <laughs> it is like, it gets you pumped. is really interesting i my whole thing because i'm watching this for the first time and you know i i just kept in my own head i just kept comparing it to what i the action scenes that i had seen recently and i was like why does this feel just so different this feels like it has it's oozing style it has a purpose yeah. everything's working really in tangent together uh that i haven't really felt like i've seen in a long time uh, or, you know, like I'll catch it in like a Marvel movie and stuff. But this movie really seems to take it so much further. So much so that I had to, yeah, I had to watch The Last Stand, which was after, which came after I saw The Devil and this movie. Just because I had to see like, okay, what is this man going to do for an American audience? And uh, like, we could get into that later, but, you know, I've got some thoughts. Okay. Uh, you did say something that a lot of other reviewers mentioned. Everyone likes to say that this movie is style over substance. There is no substance to it. But I'm kind of thinking, like, I think I think there is a little bit, you know? Of like substance? this movie Yeah, there this movie is about something. Yes, I agree. I disagree with the style over substance. I, I don't One, I don't I don't agree with that. Like there's <sighs> definitely a lot of style, but I think it, it I think there is a a story like it, it is, it is about something. There, there is a theme to it, and it is similar to again a lot of uh, spaghetti western themes. Like the, and it probably you probably see it the most in Red Dead, where these this group of nomads, their lifestyle is being threatened by the advancing civilization and the industrial revolution. Yes, the the colonial background. You know, it's it's like the ticking ticking uh, time bomb. In this film, right, you have these people moving away to escape colonial Japan, but colonial Japan is coming after them. Mm-hmm. They're going for the oil, and the oil is going to change the, the balance of power dramatically, you know, in, in favor of whoever gets it and is able to mine it, and, you know, the, the wheel keeps turning. You know, they're, these people, their way of life is, is going to disappear. The Chinese bandits, the Chinese-led bandits, 
what are they going to do after this, the events of this movie? Their leader was destroyed by an artillery shell, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the shot of them, like just all like laying down and the oil just being the thing that survives them. It's like, it, I think it carries a lot more weight than it appears. Yes, 100% agree. Watching this for the first time, I really just thought, oh, it's about a bunch of people getting treasure. Look, man, when it comes to action films, I don't need that much actual thematic worthwhile. You know, I'm not watching Transformers and like, what did I get out of this movie? What am I going to impart into what am I going to take from this movie and use it in my life? What did I learn? Sometimes you don't need to learn shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sometimes you just need to watch people, people beat the living fuck out of each other. Some, that's sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. And I was walking into this movie thinking like that. I was like, it is just people beating the fuck out of each other. And that really changed once they brought in the Japanese army or they, they were bringing up how Japan was invading. And they kept bringing it up throughout the film. I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. You didn't have to introduce all that if you if you were just making a straightforward action film. But they did. And they bring it up constantly and constantly. They brought it up in the brothel. They brought it up. Um, they brought it up at the at the ghost market, and they bring it up to even from the beginning, where it's like we're selling it to uh to a banker, and then there's the reveal he's Japanese, and the very first time that I really got a hint of it was when the weird speaking in Korean and the Japanese men are replying. I I like I can't tell Korean and Japanese apart. The languages. The languages, yes. But the reason I noticed it was because the weird brings it up. The weird says, yeah. do you guys not bring Korean? Or do you guys not speak Korean? Already, I'm subtly getting the hint that, oh, okay, so something, something's happening here. Eh, maybe it's just a simple gag or I, I don't know, whatever. But the film constantly brings it up. And the moment that really hit me over the head, I was like, okay, this movie has something to say. It's when the, it's the oil reveal, right? Because I figured mm. I, when I was watching the film, I was thinking, oh, it's either going to be that the gold's there or that it that it's gold or that there's nothing that someone else got it i kind of figured it was going to be those two things but when you have the shot of all three men laying on the desert and the oil spills up i was like oh there it is it's such a cool reveal yeah it's really great because it just clicks i didn't see it coming and it clicks together i mean how many people have died over oil man come on this is a lot and that's one thing that I'm like, is that why they took out the Korean Liberation Army to like not offend, you know, countries involved in the Iraq war? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know too much about the political dynamics of that man, but I do know they could have made a straightforward action Transformers film, but they they added they wanted to include this. Now, am I going to say that this movie has enough substance? It has the same amount of substance as something like a Ken Burns documentary? Absolutely. Who's going to say that? No. Well, some of these critics are like, well, there's not enough substance here. It's like, well, go hire Ken Burns to make a documentary for this if you really want to learn. Or go read a book or an article. I think there is a little bit of like, you, you don't see it as a real cinema because it's a South Korean film. You know, and it's a South Korean action film. And like, uh, that's very, that's very quirky, very silly. Yeah. Part of me thinks it's kind of has to deal with that. Like, I'm curious to see uh, American or Western critics that didn't like this movie. What do they have to say about something like John Wick? Like, are they equally as dismissive? I don't know if it's so much having to do with South Korean. I, it might, I think what it, 
one reviewer who who called the, who praised the film he described song kang ho's character as pie-faced do you know have you heard of that term before i haven't but it doesn't sound good it's a, a racist term towards uh inuit people pie-faced yeah i i don't think i've ever heard of that but that's such a weird thing to say it is it's like it's like why did you say that i think if you're gonna say something it's like oh i could kind of oh this person looks like this okay i could see that but pie fa- what's the implication that he's got like white what kind- it's because it's because the i think it's because the face is kind of flatter than western or european faces because pies are flat that description or insult or whatever that makes no sense to me i don't understand and it's kind of irritating me because <laughs> it you didn't have to yeah, use it use that word to this the guy likes the movie too. unless i'm missing something i don't know unless i'm missing something i think it does have other meanings but it also has the, the kind of the racist meaning it's like why did you choose to use that word specifically for that that character who's kind of yeah. his darker skin and i guess flatter features and he's yeah, wearing no he's wearing that hat that i guess you could it kind of looks like an eskimo hat i guess why you use that I was term? Thinking of a, I, I, w- I was thinking of a fighter, uh, of a of a of like a fighter plane, you know, like someone who 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 like flew planes and stuff, you know, kind of like uh, the old timey planes. But like it, the the hat that he's wearing, it does kind of look like what you would think of as an Eskimo hat. So like, I don't understand why you would say that. I definitely think the race has something to do with it. I'm sure, I'm sure this being a foreign film that looks kind of goofy it's i mean the title sounds goofy the good the bad the weird Mm -hmm. like there is something there is there is an air of goofiness and silliness behind it yeah on top of on top of it being a foreign film uh, i'm sure people are, are very easily will easily dismiss it as well it doesn't really have anything to say it's like well it kind of does Granted, they're not beating you. The movie isn't about the invasion of Japan like a Ken Burns documentary would go in. You're comparing well, a documentary year, to a narrative fiction. Like, well, but just just to prove a point, though, I it's mean, a straw man's okay, you want to, you can do better. Okay, fine. It this movie would not have the same impact or level of substance as a dramatic film about Japan invading Asia. Like I don't, silence. No movies. Are, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Like. Okay. I mean, they're they're diff- they're about different things, but yes, silence. I would argue has a lot more substance than the good, the bad, the weird. But just because by comparison it has more, it doesn't mean that the good, the bad, the weird has none. Yeah, that's that's some ignorant shit. Mm-hmm. This movie is more focused on the action, the immediate suspense and thrills of a treasure map, but it has all this stuff, all this real history in the background. It's still in the background. And it doesn't really, you don't really have to pay that much attention to notice it. It's in the first fuck, in one of the first fucking scenes. When they're talking, when they're speaking Korean and Japanese to each other. I noticed it. I, and look, man, a lot of shit goes over my head. A lot of shit goes over my head and I forget a lot of stuff, but I was able to notice it. So I don't know what these critics are talking about. Well, there's not enough substance. What did you want? Did you want like the movie to stop? To have a character come in and do an, a giant monologue, Shakespearean monologue about, whoa, the Japanese, when they came here, they destroyed everything. It's okay. So we're going to do that. 
And I guarantee you, if that monologue were in there, you'd bitch and complain like, well, why don't we go back to the action? No, fuck you. Okay, no, get get out of here. These Some of these people cannot have the best of both worlds. <laughs> <sighs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, when you, I think when you look at genres of movies, you kind of have to judge them against other other films of the same genre and like what makes that genre work like you can say that that this is a good action movie but can you really compare it to like that's why i gave that's what's giving me a hard time about comparing it to ken burns like they're they're different kinds of movies you can't really say one's better than the other exactly or even comparing it to silence yeah they're different they're really different they're they, yeah. The filmmakers have different intentions. Scorsese talking about Catholicism in Japan versus Kim Ji-woo making an homage to Westerns while placing it in Japan, in in uh, in Manchuria during the Japanese invasion. Very different intentions, guys. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know why we need why we're comparing both of them. And maybe maybe if you wanted more substance, maybe if you would have liked more of it. OK, that's a valid. Yes. Like maybe. Maybe what would have swayed some of the people is if they had the scene with like the Korean Liberation Army. Yeah. Perhaps. But to say that this movie is absent of it, no, it's there. It's a it's a background element and it is weaved throughout the story. But that's not the filmmaker's intention. Like part of that that history, the, the part that makes it specific to the Korean audience, those the context that they would know is lost in the international cut because it cut all that stuff out. Well, it does make me wonder uh, because a lot of these reviewers, I'm curious if maybe they just wanted a bit more clarification on what was happening because a lot of them don't know. I didn't know. Um, I was able to fill in the dots. I was able to fill in the spots for the most part. I'm still not a historian on this subject. So, you know, but maybe they wanted a little bit more of that, mm. which maybe the Korean version would help them out. But I, I imagine this. I didn't read the reviews for this movie because I I was definitely sure that some people would have said, well, it's a little too goofy for my taste. I like Shakespeare and I like <laughs> the Bible and I like Oedipus because that has a lot of substance to it. It's like, all right, get out of here, you fucking square. If you can't, you know who this movie isn't for? For people who don't know how to have fun. If you don't like fun, hey, cool. I'm not even calling you out. If you don't like fun, Fair enough. Go. There are plenty of movies that are for you. But if you if you say that you're an, a fan of action, I really don't know why you can't like this movie. You, you're a fan of action, Austin. Mm -hmm. And we, we had a whole discussion about Transformers. And honestly, I love that movie, but I see your points. I see. I saw your points as to why you weren't really a fan of it. But when you have good quality action like this, what's to complain about? Yes, the horse. That's a that's a big thing, too. Yeah, but in terms of story, it just slaps all around. <sighs> I'm sorry, I just that's okay. You said that, and it just kind of like I just started seeing red a little bit. I think what got to me is that people will see something as silly and goofy and think it's immature, and think that there's no substance to it. I personally take a lot of offense to that because I I feel like a lot of people would character would say that about me. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's silly, he's goofy. When we were talking about Grace Lee. You asked me how would I characterize myself. I'd say I'd like a, a a big, lovable, but dumb Sasquatch creature. You know, like a giant. And I'm I'm honest about that. But just because something is silly or goofy doesn't mean that they have their own values or that they have their own themes or that they have their own baggage to carry. And that's what this movie has. 
Granted, it's not in the forefront, but it has a lot of weight to it. There are scenes where they're talking about this stuff, but yeah, it is important. And you can't say that this movie has no substance because literally that oil reveal at the end says a lot, says a damn's worth more than Transformers or John Wick, <laughs> in my opinion. I, absolutely, I'm sorry. Absolutely. And I love John Wick. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, you know. <sighs> Whew. But again, I love this movie. Same. Um, <laughs> so did you learn anything about the director um, filming this movie, a film in South Korea, or a South Korean production versus his American production in The Last Stand? Bro, I Googled it. I really, because I was curious, because I was watching this film and I said, how's The Last Stand, right? How is it? How was it making that film? I couldn't find anything. And if there are any viewers who know about it, you know, please send it to me. I'd like to see more about this guy. Um, he might have done a few interviews for The Last Stand. And nothing I really couldn't find that really dwelled into the topic. But I watched I watched The Last Stand. I, we actually postponed the recording of the episode so I could have more time to watch that. And it's what I feared. It was a, a watered down. It was a watered down version of what he typically makes. And I was pretty bummed about that. Watered down how? Watered down in that. And okay, what I was saying earlier, uh, he will take a scene, an action scene, and kind of do things that most people typically don't do. For example, that fight scene with the guy with the stick. Mm-hmm. You know, he he will play with. He'll create a small joke with the axe collapse or the, him breaking the axe, then him being beat out of the frame of the movie and then throwing things over it. Just small little gags, something to keep the action fresh. Mm-hmm. None of that was in the last stand. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty straightforward, very straightforward. And what I mean by that is there are no gags. There are very few jokes. There are few, few visual jokes, visual cues. It's very straightforward. What you see is what you get. There's nothing that really made me laugh. Nothing that really made me grossed out. Because there are some mo- moments in The Good, The Bad, The Ugly that gross me out. The Good, The Bad, The Weird. Particularly when he when he stabs the guy in the butthole. <laughs> he stabs two guys in the butthole. Well, no, he stabs one guy in the butthole. And then the kids stab the other guy in the butthole because they saw him do it and then he And we don't see it. But he, he what's it called when, what's it called when uh, he fly kicks into it? And all we hear is, ah! We don't see it. We don't see the, I mean, we see the aftermath. When the Japanese troops and are like the, the the Japanese generals are like I've seen a lot of things in this war, but I've never seen anything but like this. And then you see <laughs> a shot of the of these things piercing these men's buttholes. It's not violent. It's not bloody. Like they're not naked. Um, I mean it's gross because you're picturing it, but it's it's not it's not awful. Like they're still wearing clothes, and there's not like a lot of blood or shit or anything on it. It's little things like that. Like heavy kicks into it. Like after he sticks it in, he does like a big heavy jump. Yeah, he kick jump into kicks it. into like, it. 
you're playing you're playing street fighter you're hitting the fierce kick you know <laughs> that's what i was thinking i was like he straight up comboed his ass he straight up fatalityed him and it's and it's it's pretty violent i mean it's it's funny violent you know and the uh, his other film that he made i saw the devil is violent violent right so you would think, oh, an R-rated film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're thinking of Terminator. You're thinking of uh, Running Man. I was going to say Bike Man. Bike Man? What? <laughs> my my head's all over the place with names. But I was thinking of Running Man, Total right? Total Recall. Uh, Total Recall. Right? Oh, <gasps> the man. Predator. And this is an R-rated Western film. So I'm like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in a Western film directed by the guy that did the good, the bad, the weird. And I saw the devil. Damn, I'm going to get some quality kills out of this. Not a single kill stood out. There was one moment that I thought it was going to be really cool. And nope, nope, not a kill. It's 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 gory, but it, you know, there wasn't anything. It's just not, not fun. And I think the comedy is a big reason why I like the good, the bad, and the weird. Like, it's very funny. It's And comedy is, is a... I feel like comedy has diminishing returns. Like the more you watch a funny movie, the less funny it is. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? Uh, sometimes yes. Like for me, it's it's most comedies except for like a few that still make yes. me laugh. And I think this is this is one of them. Yeah, I was I was gonna say this movie. I think is the exception for me. I think I'm gonna watch this movie five years from now, and I'm still gonna laugh. The Last Stand has little bits of comedy, but even the few moments that there were comedy don't it's far and far it's few and far between and there are some moments where it's like all right you said the joke now let's move on i don't know why you're lingering you know get get a joke in and get it soon isn't that the saying for jokes get in quick and get out sooner or something like that i i don't know that's a saying i've heard okay and there's like a few jokes in the last stand where it's like you know arnold schwarzenegger asks a deputy hey uh run the license plates i want to see where they're from and he doesn't know how to do it. He's like, hey, can you help me how to do it? It's a funny little thing. Get in, get out. But they linger where the character, the, one of the characters is just looking at him. And it's like a solid five to ten seconds of him just looking like, okay, I'm only going to tell you. I'm only going to show you once. We, okay, bro. Uh, they, they do that in the good, the bad, the weird, too. Like the deadpan looks. Like when he's like, oh, should I run straight or should I zigzag? And he doesn't. He just... But there's so much better in the good, the bad, the weird. That's what I'm saying. Know when to get... Here's what I need to think. Know when to get in and out. Because in that moment, that's yeah. funny. That is really funny. It didn't, it didn't work in The Last Stand. There's like another moment where Johnny Knoxville... Not, Johnny Knoxville is basically the weird. And they need people to... They need people for the final battle. And so they're going to deputize him. And it should be a funny scene. Eh doesn't really isn't really that funny the one scene that i really thought was funny was they're investigating this guy because he's been missing and arnold schwarzenegger or they're like we found his body he's in the house and arnold schwarzenegger over the radio all right deputies remember it's a crime scene so don't touch anything and when he says anything we cut back to the two deputies and they're they're touching (laughs) like a bunch of different things and it just when they hear when they hear that they're just putting everything down. I'm like, that's a funny gag. But it is few and okay. far between, man. It really felt watered down in terms of the comedy and the action. 
it just didn't feel like it was the same filmmaker. It really felt like another, I've used this term before, the workman mm-hmm. director, you know? You've got your Scorseses and Finchers and Tarantinos, but for the most part, most directors working are just the people who don't have a clear style, that they're there to film what is... Do a job. Exactly. And I would say, personally, I think Kim Ji-Woon is a stylish director. I think he has his own style. I think he has an artistic vision. And it even between two different, completely different films, The Good, The Bad, The Weird, and I Saw the Devil, I could see them. I could see the similarities. With The Last Stand, I couldn't see it, man. That workmen people, they are there to do a job and good on them. Um, but w- when you put the name Kim Ji-Woon, I'm expecting awesome kills, some funny moments. Uh, I didn't really get that. So I know that um, Park, Park, oh man, what's his name? The guy who did the the one. Stoker? Uh, Park Chan-Wook. Park Chan-Wook. Like when Park Chan-Wook did his American films, Stoker? It, he had to like direct through an interpreter. Yeah. So he's not directly talking to the actors. And I wonder if because of the language barrier, you have to kind of simplify things. I was thinking the exact same thing. In fact, I took it a step further. I was thinking the exact same thing with Kim Ji-Woon. And I was like, why does the comedy not work in The Last Stand? I think there is a there is a language barrier. I think maybe he, maybe he just has a hard time understanding it. And that's why it feels off. Right? Uh, that's why his jokes feel tighter in the good, the bad, the weird. There is no translate. There's nothing's being lost in translation. Whereas in the last stand, there's a bunch of barriers that he has to go through. On top of that, the studio system, mm-hmm. right? This, uh, I, I'm definitely convinced that the studio just kind of maybe said, "All right, you can't go too gory with some of the things." You can't go too crazy. And it has to be finished by this time. I could be wrong. Like we're, we're like speculating that these these are all things that we know about because we've studied film and we know how things are done in Hollywood to some degree. Yeah, exact to some degree, right? It it is not unheard of. It is not unheard of to hear a studio taking over a director's project because they weren't happy with it. Hell, everyone's been talking about one of the biggest fuck ups ever with the Justice League. Yeah, and that was with Zack Snyder a prolific director you say Zack Snyder people know who he is and they had no problem reworking his movie so why would they why would they not with Kim Ji Woon Mm -hmm. a Korean director's first film in the U.S. with a big budget from a studio and also he is working with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Arnold Schwarzenegger has a lot of say I I would imagine over what happens in Mm -hmm. his movies this was the first film that he made after Rise of the Machines after his so California like, govern governorship. Mm-hmm. So he he still had a lot of power. And this could have been like a big thing. And so they're like, all right, things could get violent. Not too violent. <laughs> okay, we saw you rip women's heads off and I saw the devil. We can't have any of that here. I saw the devil's really, really, really violent. Uh, and they're like, but we also don't want to see any buttholes being pierced by metal things. We don't, American audiences don't like that. They're cautious of their buttholes. <laughs> so no buttholes and no decapitations. And Kim Chi's like, fine, I guess. All right. Mm. I, you're making an R-rated film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It just felt really watered down. And I wasn't the only one who felt this way because I looked up a, a retrospective that they made of, of Kim Ji-woo. 
in, on IndieWire, and he said this. What really bums us out is that Kim Ji-woon felt like a filmmaker whose aesthetic and thematic concerns were so firmly rooted that it would have been nearly impossible to un uh, upend, even in a flashy American production. Apparently, we were wrong. While there's nothing bad, quote, quote, about The Last Stand, we just wish it had been a lot more Kim Ji-woo-y. <laughs> there's a reason why he's headed back to Korea for his next movie. And it makes sense, right? Yeah. There's he he brings in this style and this this presence, and that's what they're saying. They wish there had been a lot more Kim Ji Wooi, and I'm I honestly agree. Like when you see a Tarantino movie, you expect a certain kind of style, and I can't imagine if him Tar doing a different kind of movie or or Wes Anderson. It, exactly. It's like oh, Bill Murray isn't in this. Well, that's weird. In Tarantino, <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. So nobody dies in this movie. <laughs> Nobody dies in your Tarantino movie. Well, then what the fuck? Or like Spike Lee. Wait, so you have an all white cast? <laughs> it's with all with all those three examples. It's like, wait, no, that's wrong. And this movie was a little off. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say to the same degree, but it's still off. So we both we both like this movie. Um, and at the end of our episodes, we try to come up with a quote that can best summarize how we feel about the movie um do you have a quote george i have one it's not a great one but it's kind of just uh because i've been i've been like on a korean binge recently <laughs> it's a very straightforward quote <laughs> i think i know what it is can i guess yeah go for it every korean has a sad story <laughs> no it's not that one but okay. that would have been a good one too though <laughs> my mine's is way simpler than that there's like a okay. moment where uh fuck when the weirds like are uh, oh no 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 where the Japanese is like damn Koreans that was my <laughs> just because like damn those motherfuckers know what they're doing yeah they know what's up man I I, I rewatched Old Boy a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. with my sister blew her mind I watched Memories of Murder I actually bought the Criterion uh Blu-ray of it I rewatched I I rewatched I saw the devil I. I saw the one I'm watching this for the first time. All I could think is, God damn, they know what's up. I'm God uh, to, to, to my to the viewers. You, you guys got to get on some some of that South Korean shit because that thing is dope. Those movies are dope as fuck. Yeah, it's a different style of filmmaking that it's it makes action movies fun again. It's a different vibe that you're you're, you're seeing things in a way that you're not used to, but it's still a movies and it's still I think it still works in a Western audience. It's not too different. Like sometimes I think like the, the Bollywood style of filmmaking is very much Bollywood, you know, and yeah. so some Americans will see it and just not the, the kind of dismiss it. I can't get through Bollywood films. Uh, I watch them and it, I, they're just so far out there that even I have it's, trouble watching them. It's just different. It's it is different. What you're yeah. used to, but I yeah. think South Koreans, they have their own, their own style and it it's easier for us to watch those movies, but it's still like different enough. You know what I mean? Hundred percent agree. I I think you're right. I mean, within with Bollywood films, I even I have a hard time getting in th getting through them. And then there's like some European films. Like I know some French films. I'm like, oh, God, kill me. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I get it. They're sad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, but this movie, but so far from the the, the Korean films that I've seen, for, you're absolutely right. They're just easy to pick up. 
other than than other films. I don't know why. I that's interesting to think about. But you're right. I mean, the, you could pick them up. Granted, there's a language barrier. But just put the subtitles on. But you pick them up and you go with it. And regardless of what you're watching, whether it's Old Boy and I Saw the Devil or The Good, The Bad, The Weird, and Memories of Murder or Parasite. Parasite, just, yeah. You just pick them up and you run. And they have a vibe and they leave you with that vibe. My sister was shook after Old Boy. She was fucked up after that movie. <laughs> and that's the point. That's what the movie's going for. And it's like this pointless tale of, of revenge. And like I think a lot of us, we like to see revenge stories. We like to see the good guy kill the bad guy and everything. But that that story living out that revenge fantasy is is not good you know it's not a good noble quest like it's portrayed in a bunch of western movies well like for example revenge right is something that a lot of these korean films have talked about you know the good the bad the weird i saw the devil old boy yeah and hey look i like a straightforward revenge story as well like john wick is a revenge movie and i like that i Mm -hmm. really do but along with my sweet i like my salty and my um <laughs> like uh, uh what's it um bitter you know yeah. like i like sweets but i also like salty and i like bitter and a bitter revenge movie hits the spot really well yeah you walk out kind of depressed but it's exciting while you're watching it and it's dramatic it's dramatic that's the point and i feel like a lot of films especially american revenge films aren't dramatic they're just dramatic because yeah. it's supposed to be. You killed my mom, so I have to kill you. Even though you're like, I don't really give a shit about what's happening. In these revenge movies, you give a shit about what's happening. I saw the devil builds up to this super climactic fuck fest of revenge. And the implications of it are awful. But man, is it great to watch. So uh, my my quote, I was I picked two of them. Uh, in case you picked one of them, but I guess you didn't, so it's fine. <laughs> towards the end of the movie, like, no, this is kind of towards the beginning when the bad kills his boss. And, like, when he, he kills his boss, his boss kind of, like, crumples, and you, it's revealed that there's a, the boss had a statue of himself in his room. <laughs> and he, he says, uh, people must know they're going to die, and yet they live as though they never will. Hilarious. I really like that quote, too, actually. That moment stood out and, for me too. And he's like, look, he's parading around all the wealth that this guy has like taken, you know, and like this, this dude kills him with a knife over nothing. Mm-hmm. He, he, the only thing he does is complain about paying him so much. And then he, he gets killed for it. And like, th- in a way it's like, why did you, okay, well, why did you kill him though? <laughs> why do you have to be this like vengeful, angry person? And mm-hmm. I guess it's because he he was a victim of violence and humiliation himself. So now he's made it his like cause in life to be this like legendary fear fearsome assassin that, that has to nobody, kill everybody that nobody should fuck with. Yeah, and he all of his men leave him or die. Oh, he straight up only... he straight up shoots a couple of them. Yeah, that was a good quote. Like I think I think that when people are like, "There's no substance," it's like. That quote already says enough. That chase sequence, they're like running in the desert. Like, for, for what? Why? You don't even know what's there. Nobody. 
Nobody, nobody oh. except the Japanese know it's there. I was it was hilarious because there's uh there's someone I think someone asked like, do you even know what's there? And the weird like, nope, but it's mine. <laughs> there's a, so, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. there's a moment like that. And I was like, well, what the fuck are you doing? That's why I also was like, I kind of was on Mangil's side for a bit. It's like, bro, get all this heat off of you. Just sell it. You'll live a. All, all he wanted was a barn. All he wanted was a farm with some animals. So you don't want a place to live, which is what none of them really have. Yeah. Oh, actually, going back to the whole substance thing. So remember what he says. It's like, how do you feel about buying land from the Japanese? And he's like, well, what's the difference between this and the uh, and the original government? What's the difference between both of these two superpowers? You know, one of them is still alive. I guess one of them is still there. Yeah. That substance thing bothered me, man. I'm I'm still reeking. I'm still reeling over it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to dig in even more into some South Korean cinema, watch his follow-up. I saw the devil. It is- and a tale of two sisters is one of my favorite horror films of all time. So you've already got two films that you could watch from the same director, and I don't know about the tale of two sisters, but I know that I saw the devil is on Hulu. So but, like it's it's pretty violent. So it no 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 it is it is sad, violent and depressing. But don't we need a little bit of sadness in our lives sometimes? Trust me, you're gonna have a good time. You might walk out thinking like, holy shit, that was fucked up. But it'll be a good fucked up. You know what I mean? Huh. Some sometimes some stuff is just so triggering for some people. It's like maybe not. <laughs> well, it, it, fair fair enough. Absolutely. And the movie is it, there is a lot of violence towards women in I Saw the Devil. Way more so than in The Good, the Bad, the Weird. It is. The whole premise is about women being kidnapped and mutilated and tortured and stuff. It's I it is it is a yeah so if that if that stuff does trigger you i recommend staying the fuck away from it because there is a plenty of that but if you want a really raw revenge film i saw the devil is definitely for you i recommend the good the bad the weird if you're just an action fan in general you're gonna have a lot of good fucking time with this movie so uh that's all for this episode um if you haven't already you can follow us on our social media at retrograde underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter. We're also on Facebook. You can also email us at retrogradepod at gmail.com. You can ask my cat's scratching. I heard. Yeah. Hey, don't do that. No. Um, you can email us at retrogradepod at gmail.com. Um, we'll, we'll take suggestions. We're making a list. You can also ask us for an invite to our Discord and put suggestions there, talk about episodes, maybe play some Among Us. We um, we have to... So this this film was for our next episode uh, series, which was basically you guys decide what films we talked about. This film was... was Oh, who recommended... Or no, 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 who... I brought it up. Yo, this was your choice. Grace Lee was the one that was voted in. Yeah. This is part of that series but from now we're gonna go back to our regular scheduled program i know we got space jam in the future uh when yeah, the second is released our next episode is going to be hook from 1994 that's right with robin williams and we'll have a special guest star for that episode yes we will i know we also have to do that film that someone recommended that someone asked us to review oh yes the beast of war that might have to go afterwards i don't want to keep that dude waiting mm-hmm. 
since he was yeah. nice enough to message us. So, Hook, The Beast of War, Space Jam are episodes that are coming up very soon. So stay tuned, guys. All right. See you in two weeks. Bye.